Do you want to have a relationship with God? I mean, a personal relationship with Him. Well, look at how this pericope ends. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see Him. But they weren't able to get near Him because of the crowd. And someone told them, Your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. Jesus replied, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's Word and put it into practice. Today on the Song Time broadcast, we'll continue our study in the Gospel of Luke as the late great Dr. Haddon Robinson takes us to Luke chapter 8, where he explains why Jesus spoke in parables and how it helps us to articulate the Gospel. Stay tuned for that, but first we'll address the mental health issues that are often plaguing our families and our communities as we're joined by Christian counselor Dr. Ed Welch. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. The past three years have presented to us a great challenge, not only to us as individuals and as a community, as a nation, as a world, but also as a church. It's been a bit of a magnifying glass on seeing areas that we have neglected or areas that we as a church have failed to be effective at being salt and light in a city that is set on a hill for our community. One of the areas that I I feel that we have uh, fallen short on as a church is the issue of mental health and the role that the church plays in addressing those needs and and helping people through the process of their, their anxieties, their fears, and their suffering. Well, today we're privileged to be joined by Dr. Ed Welch, who is a Christian counselor with the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, CCEF. He's also the author of a new book called, I Have a Psychiatric Disorder, What Does the Bible Say? It's a part of the Ask the Christian Counselor series. It's a great privilege to have him with us today. Ed, this is an issue that I'm sure is pressing on a lot of people's minds, especially with these uh, past few years, showing us that this is an area that has become much more obvious and much more apparent as an area that needs to be addressed by the church. Well, there's no question that the last two years have accelerated the mental health challenges where they're more extreme and they're more frequent. Anybody who is observing what's happened would say that. But I do think that the church still is grappling with how does Scripture speak meaningfully? That That's the question that's before all of us as Christians. How can God's words speak to these particular struggles? How do we access Scripture? Hmm. How do we access the gospel of Christ for these things? That's, that's the mission, I really think, in front of all of us. That's really important as well, because a lot of the issues that we've been facing, we can easily get off track. I think that there needs to be a call back, even within Christian counseling, that what our calling is, is a it's really a spiritual kingdom of God battle that we're, we're waging. But it's very easy to get distracted by all the terms as well as all the circumstances that are happening out there in the world. Yeah. So in that sense, what we want to do is we want to do everything we can to understand how God speaks meaningfully and deeply to the modern struggles of life. And we also, we also want to hit that tone of he speaks more beautifully than anyone else could possibly speak. If, if the gospel of Christ is truly the center of Scripture, and, this is, and it's good news, then, then our mission should be not only how do we speak Scripture, 
to these diverse and difficult and confusing problems, but how can it sound really, really good? For anyone who's listening to us, this is an issue that's probably touching into their immediate life and uh, maybe even strikes a chord with them. The reaction to this, their frustrations, they've been dealing with this for a long time. What advice do you have for them to see from this, from a biblical perspective, what they're struggling with can be addressed by the gospel? To, to consider how, if we are struggling with something, don't we know that our God cares about these things? He, he, he is a God of compassion. It's one of the premier ways that he speaks of himself. So can we at least agree, and we can all agree on this, that he is the God of compassion with psychiatric disorders? So that, that sort of frees us to be able to turn toward him. So what do we do? We, we are just normal Christians. Jesus, help. Help! Help, I don't even know what, I don't even know what kind of help I need. Help. Why haven't you helped? Where are you in the midst of these things? How long? We, we speak those things to, to the Lord. That is what is most important. We, we get on a road that is going to bring us to Christ and Him crucified. The second thing we do is, is we read everything we can talk to every person we can, uh, and, and, and try anything that might be helpful. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things that are not helpful when people claim they're helpful, but we, 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 we ask questions such as, how did this happen? And, and what could this be? And are there treatments that have been helpful and what has helped other people? So those are all fair game things within, with, within God's world. We, we, we study, we study the particular struggles that we have, never abandoning that the most important questions are fundamental spiritual questions that, that remind us that the God who is there is also the God who is here and is very, very close. For any of our listeners who have a loved one who has a psychiatric diagnosis, and they're struggling to figure out how to, to love them, how to help them, how to care for them, maybe they even are concerned about this diagnosis and and don't know how to address that with them what kind of advice do you have for them as they are loving somebody with one of these issues yeah well get any help you can uh, any anybody who knows something about that struggle will find good reliable help find psychiatrists who, who will answer your questions who will listen to you so find help that's just what wise people do but more specifically if this is in your home it's sometimes, frankly, it, the suffering is more intense for the family than it is for the person who is going through it. You, you, know, you notice that with dementia, and now dementia is not a psychiatric disorder in, in this sense, but it's harder for the family than it is, who is going, for the person who's actually going through it oftentimes. So, so it's gonna be very hard for the family. God has compassion for the family. One of the things I think that can be helpful for the family is to persevere with that same question God asks. What is it like? The better you know someone, the more patient you will be with that person, the more compassionate you will be with that person, and the more likely you will be able to say things that are helpful for that person. So so consider that first question. What is it like? Is it like this? Is it like this? Is it like this? To listen to the person, to invite them to speak, to help us to understand and then perhaps for us to say, is it like this? And, and when they say, yeah, now you understand, that's, 
that that will be a place that becomes hopeful for both the the afflicted person and for the family. And from there, we can say, okay, now that we understand, now let's pray. Mm. Now let's speak these words to the Lord, and let's ask that question. Okay, Lord, what should we ask for? This is what it's like. What should we ask of you? Mm. That's those. What we're looking for in Scripture are things that are profound, yet doable. They're accessible. Uh, family members are actually able to do them without having to be an expert. Uh, with the details of these problems. We have been talking with Dr. Ed Welch from the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. He's also the author of the book we've been discussing. It's called, I Have a Psychiatric Diagnosis, What Does the Bible Say? It's an important resource, and I realize it is also a very sensitive subject, but we want to encourage you, if you want to find out more information about this book, if you would like to see the entire interview online in our video format, you can head over to our website at songtime.com. But if you or someone you love is suffering in a one of these uh, psychiatric diagnoses, please reach out to somebody who can help you. Someone in your church, a counselor, uh, someone in your community that can help you walk through that process. You are not alone, and there are people who will be there with you in the body of Christ who will help you through it. As we try to be sensitive on the subject, I also want to encourage you that this is an area that each and every one of us deals with in some way, shape, or form, whether it's indirectly or directly. We need to be sensitive but we also need to hold each other in prayer. So if you would like to find out more information, please give our office a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. Well, today we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke, and this week we're looking at Luke chapter 8. In this message from the late great Dr. Haddon Robinson, we're talking about why Jesus spoke in parables. It's one of the most confusing components to the teaching of Jesus, and yet he gives us his answer for himself, as he explains to the disciples here in Luke chapter 8, and Dr. Haddon Robinson gives us some insight into the teaching ministry of Jesus. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if I could have been there when Jesus was here? I mean, he's the master teacher. As he began his sermon, he looked over at the, in the distance, and, he, and Jesus said, look, look, you see that man? He's scattering seed. Some of the seed goes on the hard ground, on the path that crosses the field. But the seed bounces up, and the birds swoop down and take it away. And notice some more of the seed falls on shallow ground, and the Blazing sun comes, it just shrivels it. And then Jesus said, look, some of it falls on other ground. It's better ground, but it also has thorns and thistles, and the bad growth kills the good growth. And then, note too, he throws that seed on good ground and reap a hundredfold what he's sown. And then Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's it. I mean, no final hymn, no summary. That's it. You can't help but wonder what the crowd thought about that. And then uh, when the crowd left, his disciples sidled up to him. And I said, so what's, what was that about, that thing about the seed and the soil? And they really did want to know. He said, uh, 
the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to the others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Now, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed, that's the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe or be saved. Those on the rock, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and by persevering produce a crop. What bothers you is the way Jesus says, uh, I speak to you, but to the others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. What in the world is that about? Well, Jesus captures something here that started back in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah had that grand vision of God, high, lifted up, his train filled the temple. And then suddenly he heard the voice, who shall we send? Who will go for us? <laughs> I, you know, I responded to the invitation, yeah, I'll go. And the voice was good. Better know, though, that uh, when you go, they're not going to listen to you. Uh, you're going to actually harden them so that seeing they'll not see, hearing they'll not understand. And then Jesus picks that up and says, that's what I'm about. But what in the world is he saying? I mean, is he saying, um, I don't want them to know? If he's saying that, why talk to them at all? So what is he saying when he talks about speaking to them in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Well, it's just a little bit about parables. Uh, folks who work my side of the street and preaching are fond of saying that the reason you ought to use illustrations is that Jesus used them. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> he told parables, but, but parables really aren't illustrations. For example, if I say, uh, even monkeys fall out of trees. That's a parable, not a very long parable, not ready for prime time, but it's a parable. If I don't make the connection, you have to work at it. If I say uh, even experts make mistakes, even monkeys fall out of trees, I've made the connection. Once they do that, it's no longer a parable, it's an illustration. But a lot of burden falls on the hearers when you use parables. So Jesus isn't saying, I'm using parable because I don't want anybody to get it. In fact, he says in uh, verse uh, 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that uh, those who come up and come in can see the light. There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. <laughs> so the parable is somehow like a light, not the purpose of the preacher to hide the truth, it's to set it out so you'll get it. But Jesus says that in order to do that, I, I, I use parables. So when he says at the end of his little sermon, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, <laughs> that's got some meaning to it. Therefore, 
Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. I think what Jesus is saying is listen carefully because if you don't use the truth you have, you'll lose it. If you use it, you'll get more. That's the principle. Use it or lose it. You go to seminary, you can pass all kinds of tests. But if you don't take the truth of the Word of God and <laughs> incorporate it in your life, you don't stay where you are. You lose it. If you use what you get, put it into practice, you gain more and more. You really want a mastery of the Scriptures. <laughs> got to use it. Not just study it. Got to use it. Put it into practice. Let it become part of your life. Use it or lose it. Do you want to have a relationship with God? I mean, a personal relationship with Him. Well, look at how this pericope ends. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see Him. But they weren't able to get near Him because of the crowd. And someone told them, Your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. I'm sure Mary had a relationship to God through her son. But Mary did not have a relationship to God because she held Jesus in her womb for nine months. She didn't have a relationship with God because she fed him at her breast for two years. If she had a relationship with God, and I'm sure she did, it was because she heard his word and put it into practice. If you want a relationship with God, that's what you have to do. Hear the word, put it into practice. And that's why Jesus says, take heed how you listen. That's why he said to the crowd, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's just another way of saying, know the truth, practice the truth. It will help you to know God give you a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. He or she who has ears to hear, let that person hear. This passage here in Luke chapter 8 gives us some insight into the teaching mind of Jesus, what his purposes were and how he approached communication and sharing the gospel. First and foremost, he used scripture. He preached from the word of God. Ironically enough, he everything he said was the word of God, but he still used scripture. We saw that in verse 10, where Jesus is saying, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He is quoting the book of Isaiah. We know that earlier in his ministry, where he went into the synagogue, he took the scroll of Isaiah and he read it and then sat down to explain about how all of that was ultimately talking about him. What was he doing? He was preaching from scripture. And later it says that the people came out to hear Jesus teaching. And uh, what was he teaching? He was teaching the word of God. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted the scriptures explained to them. And Jesus was doing exactly exactly that. His ministry was teaching the Word of God. We also didn't quite cover some of the themes that Jesus addresses in the Sermon on the Mount, which in Luke is in chapter 6. He unpacks a lot of those themes. They are basically a, a another way of unpacking the scriptures, the meaning of the Word of God, and who He is. 
But in this passage, we also see this idea of parables. This will be a theme throughout the Gospel of Luke. In fact, it is one of the most prominent themes, as we'll talk about later on, the the parable of the prodigal son. That is one that always uh, sticks into the mind of many readers because it is so profound and yet abstract. And we want to make sure that we understand it the right way, the way it was meant or intended to be communicated. But in this context, we also see a very important principle that Jesus says that those who hear the word and do it. We saw this all the way back in the story of Mary. Remember that Mary took the word of the angel, she believed it, and she did it, and that is what makes her blessed. It is Elizabeth who says, blessed are you, Mary, not just because you are bearing the child, the son of God, but because in particular, you heard the word of God and you did it. We see as well this whole passage where Jesus references that uh, with his mother and his brothers saying, this is my family, those who hear the word and do it. And later on in chapter 11, when this random woman comes up to Jesus and says, your mother must be so blessed to have you as a son. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word and do it. This seems to be the prominent theme throughout the Gospels and what Jesus is communicating, that God blesses those who hear his word and do it. That means that those who believe God, believe what God says, believe what Christ says about himself, and they respond to that. We can see that in individual examples. We can see that last weekend we were looking at the woman who anointed the feet of Jesus. She responded to the call of Jesus. Also, with the story of the disciples who left their nets and followed Jesus. They heard the word of God and they did it. Or Levi or Matthew, this tax collector who Jesus said, come follow me. And he left his tax booth and followed Jesus. Those who hear the word and do it. As we heard today from Dr. Haddon Robinson, this great late preacher, one of my favorites, share with us about how to do that if we don't practice our faith, if we don't work out our faith with fear and trembling, we lose it. And that is a tragedy for any individual. So let me encourage you in this regard to hear the word of God, to apply it to your life and to execute it in your day. Throughout your day, meditate on the scriptures and find ways to act on what Christ has taught us in his word. If we've been able to bless you, I hope that you'll be a blessing to us in return. You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this series. It's Luke 9, 23 and 24. Hear the words of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it.